to this week's episode of the podcast. Ethan and I had to reschedule, so it's Sunday as opposed to Friday. And when I was texting with you, Ethan, you said, oh, Sunday, great. I got a surprise for you. And now I'm looking at you and it looks like you're in a sprinter van in God knows where. I'm, I'm trying to be one of those. You ever see those guys on uh, Instagram where they, they see Google Earth for like a split second and then they try to pinpoint exactly where you are? That's yeah, what I'm exactly. to do right now. It looks like you're still in Texas. I can see from the trees out there, but I got no clue where you are. So what are you doing with your life? Close, close. I'm in, uh, I'm in New Mexico. So uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And yeah, dude, I've been on the road for the last couple of days. I'm headed for Tahoe and I am in a sprinter. I don't know if it's technically a sprinter, but it's, this is one of those like converted vans that people do van life out of. There's a guy in uh, Austin who's, well, I think he's actually based in Seattle, but he owns a company called Cabana. Have mm -hmm. you seen this yet? No. Well, I have. Um, my friend, one of my best friends, Josh Butcher, one of my business partners, we've talked about him before. He lives in Columbus. He has just been obsessed with the whole, at first it was overlanding. So, you know, he bought the Jeep and like the stupid expensive tent that goes on the top of it and drives over like ridiculous terrain that people have no business driving over. And then <laughs> once he had his kid, he sort of transitioned from overlanding life to van life. So if you get a chance, shout out to Josh. It's, um, um, digital nomads.us no native native nomads.us you can follow his youtube channel i love it and he, he just did a whole series about him building out his van so he hooked up like the kitchen and like electricity and the siding and the the insulation and shit so he is actually in joshua tree right now in the middle of a desert making instagram videos of him like cooking bacon in a van yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been great so far. I mean, this is the first time I've ever done van life and it was like super convenient. Um, I've always wanted to and I like I've, I've dreamt about doing the, the buy and the build, uh, but that's just super involved. So this place, you basically just rent pre-built out vans by the night. It's like pretty cheap. I think I pay like 120 bucks a night or something like that. And it's great, man. Like I, I have to be careful because the more time I spend doing this, the more I'm like, you know what? I think I can live in one of these. Like, <laughs> it's like, you can't see it that well. Cause I'm kind of in the way, but like this right here is a desk and yeah. it, you can actually sit at it from two different chairs. So you could sit yep. here, and like have a meal. That's the bed. There's a TV up there. I mean, we're connected to the van's Wi-Fi right now, which is pretty good. I'm getting like 50 up five down something like that yeah it sounds uh, great yeah it's got it's even got like there's a 50 gallon water tank on board so there's like a little sink behind me and there's a full shower in here yeah so, uh yeah that's the surprise i am I, well what i said was i've got a surprise and it's either gonna be great or it's gonna ruin the podcast <laughs> no idea if i was gonna be able to record this and it feels like it's recording great so that's that's awesome news but yeah i'm headed for tahoe man and then i'm gonna do some time um in california and then back to texas in like late mid to late february awesome so yeah. fun well very cool i hope you're having a blast um let's jump right into it you said that you got a shout out to start us out with yeah man okay so let me get his name because i think he goes primarily by like his username but his there's a guy his name is akshay kadam he's based in mumbai and he said something really nice recently uh, about the podcast. He called out the episode that we did about um, when to take on new projects. And he basically just said, so he tweeted, he said, this is a new, a new podcast I'm liking. Oh, this was the one where I broke down that um, crazy uh, case study method that I have. And yeah. he... Uh, method? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he was like, he was like, this was, that was really helpful. Uh, or what did he say? He said, the research breakdown by damn Ethan in the last 20 minutes is cool to see. I was like, damn Ethan, which well played Ashkay or Akshay <clears throat> um, must watch. If you have a podcast for researching guests or want to do a deep dive on a person for a newsletter. So thank you for listening, Akshay. Um, 
he is at deadcoder0904 pretty much everywhere on the web. And I wanted to say something else, which is that he's got a private Telegram group. And I'm not, I'm not super active on Telegram, but I checked this out. And it's neat, dude. Um, you can, like, from the looks of it, I think he's the only one who posts there. So it's like a read-only kind of thing. But it just seems like he's doing Telegram instead of blogging. And I thought that was pretty neat. Do, have you seen a lot of people doing this? Like their own private Telegram groups? No, only since, I mean, you, you hate to shine a dark cloud of it, but only since the, the war in Ukraine, I even knew what Telegram was. Um, but that doesn't surprise me. There's there's other ones like that. It, it's kind of like, you ever uh, check out community.co where it's like text messaging? I always figured it was something very similar to that, where it's, it's basically just, uh, I think they're all read-only. I don't think it's a social media app that we're used to, where like everybody can kind of web 2.0 into it. It's more so just like, an, it's like I mean, Telegram, right? You're, you're giving out a Telegram to your followers. Well, you know, the thing is, I've seen some people use this. So, um, oh, what's her name? She runs, uh, Pomp's wife. She runs the profile and she has a, uh, she's got a great newsletter. Polina, yeah, she's great. Polina, yeah. And she's got, she's got a community on Telegram. And I was part of that for a while. And that was like, everybody could have a conversation. Oh, cool. It was Honestly, I think this execution might be a little bit, well, it might be a little better. The difficult thing about having everybody talking is that it becomes very overwhelming very fast. Like her community is super active. And so you would log in and be like 115 messages that you hadn't read since lunch. That was tough for me, but um, this seems it's a little bit easier to read. But, you know, like we talk about this a lot with community building. It's like, there's no right answer you know every it kind of depends on what you're building who you're talking to and like what the goal is so for people who were super focused on what she was uh putting out every day i think that community was great so i've seen a couple different implementations but this is almost like reading somebody's twitter feed it's just there's no character limit so he's got some cool stuff in there cool case studies like oh he actually he, he shouted out the podcast i'm scrolling through it now <laughs> so that was cool on his but telegram yeah, 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 oh, on his Telegram. Cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, just wanted to say thanks and shout him out. You can, like I said, his name is DeadCoder0904 on Twitter. You can go follow him. And he's based in Mumbai, Amazing. which is cool. So we're officially international. Yeah, very cool. What was his name again? Akshay Kadam. K Akshay, thank you so much, Akshay. We appreciate you. All so, right. We have something to talk about today, which I don't think we expected to talk about, but I texted you this morning, and it turns out that once again, we're once both again. focused on the exact same thing. So, like for sure. Well, we're going to talk about a book today. We're going to talk about Alex Hermosi's book, $100 Million Offers. I wrote a newsletter about this. I've, re I've read it twice in the past month, and I wrote a newsletter about it about a month ago. And I, I almost feel the need to come clean about the fact that I only read it because I had just finished reading Dune, which is a marathon of a book. And I was kind of looking for something really lighthearted, just something business marketing. It was 99 cents on Kindle. And I didn't take it very seriously. And I, I don't have anything against Alex Ramosi. He seems like he's made a big come up. I just, I never really took him that seriously. You know, to me, it was kind of like, all right, like here's another dude that cashed out and got some money to make a YouTube channel and wants to be insta-famous or whatever. Um, and so who knows? Maybe it was just the same old kind of self-comparison where you're like, oh, fuck that guy. But it's only just because like he's doing something really cool, you know? <laughs> so so now after saying that, it was it was one of the best marketing books I ever read in my life. And like, I really, really mean that. Um, the reason why it was so cool that you brought this up for people watching the video, I'm gonna hold this to my screen. I got two packets of paper right now. One is an outline of the book, basically chapter by chapter that I went through the second time I read it. Cause the first time I read it, I thought, okay, I, I get it. I want to apply these lessons, but I need to like iron it out a little bit in my mind. So this is the outline of the book. And then the second piece, the second, uh, 
pad of paper, it's about 10 pages, is me going through the actual exercises in the book and how I'm going to apply them to Stasi. So, I mean, let me just shout it out one more time. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, before we get into any of the particulars, can I just give people a little bit more, a little bit more background info too? On like, totally. That's I'm, what I was going to do. I was so stoked to hear that you were reading this because as I was listening to it yesterday, and as I was listening to it, I was like, this has got Tim written all over it. Like, uh, because, because I think we've talked about this before, but one of the things that you've always impressed me on is like your willingness to execute on good information. So you've mentioned this a couple of times to me. Um, one time you talked about like a bookshelf that you used to have on your desk and how you would like open those books up and just like use them to to kind of find solutions to the answer or to the problems you were facing in your business. To me, that's a very action-oriented like thing that you, you're not just saying, oh yeah, it's good to have business books around. It's very action-oriented. Um, and then other things too, like when we talk about the business model that we talk about a lot here, which is the free front end, back end, you instantly put that to use and it's been working well for you. And so when I heard the way Alex listed out like all these exercises and how they all fit together, I was like, this is, Tim is going to use this and, and just clean up with it. So I thought <laughs> it would resonate with you. I'm Turns so out. <laughs> <laughs> and then just more broadly for people. And just in case you didn't catch the title, because Tim said it, but it's one of these titles where like sometimes it can feel like you're just saying it in a sentence. It's like the title of the book is $100 million offers. And then the subtitle is sort of a, what is it? It's how to make offers so good people feel stupid saying no to them. Exactly. So the whole focus of this book is how do you craft an offer for your company that you that puts you in a category of one? So that there is no competition and nobody that a client can compare you to and allows you to price as high as humanly possible. Is that, that a fair summary of like kind of what the book is focused on? Totally. You nailed it. Okay. So with that in mind, I mean, I think this is a great topic for us to talk to. I want to hear a little bit about how you implemented. I want to talk through some of the um, biggest points of the book too. And then I also want to apply this to something that we covered in a past episode and show you a case study that I think you're going to like. So why don't we start with your notes? Like, what did you pull out of this at the high level? And, and, and how has it changed your approach at Stasi? Stasi is an interesting company because when I started Stasi, we were the first. And I'm not saying that to brag. It was luck more than anything. People who remember my story, I started Sober Nation and almost accidentally of creating this online community of people that were in recovery, addiction and treatment centers, behavioral healthcare centers were reaching out to me because 12 years ago, there wasn't really such a thing as online marketing for behavioral health. It's, it's all clinicians, it's all referrals, it's still relatively archaic. And through that, I saw an opportunity to create a marketing agency around it and I've been doing it ever since. So luckily, I never had to really separate myself. With that being said, over the last 10 years, there's been a slew of agencies that come on board that all basically do the exact same thing. And that right there has become a problem. Um, I've had two advantages. One, my website has always been the best. And so a lot of the leads call me. I've never had to do a whole lot of outreach. Um, and it's been really easy to close on deals because when people are on board for SEO, one of the fears they have is like, well, how do I know this is going to work for me? And so my line is always like, well, how did you find me? And then I just wouldn't say anything. And they say like, oh, I found you on Google. And I'm like, oh, like, okay. Um, you know, and so like, that was always really advantageous for me. And the second one was just my reputation. Uh, get a lot of referrals. So I never had to truly differentiate myself. It was just, I kind of started off as a front runner and I was able to keep the lead. You know, it's not to say at all that we've lost market share. If any, I mean, if we've continued to grow year over year for the last 10 years, both in, in revenue and profitability and, and clients and employees and all that, nonetheless, there's more people out there. And 
I finally started getting asked the question a few times, which is, what do you do differently than other people don't? And my answer kind of was always like, we execute because we do. It's a really execution driven company. And I had like a little sales pitch in mind that I kind of practiced a bunch, but deep down in my heart, I kind of knew that like what I'm providing is the same as what other people are providing. We just do it a little bit better, you know, but that's, that's still a hard, it, it's, it's not the best place to put yourself on a pedestal to try to differentiate yourself. Like you're basically saying like, yeah, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a little bit better. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I hope you're right. Maybe not. And so, and so it's been about a month after I read this book for the first time, I've been going back and forth and back and forth with uh, Brian, my partner and Trisha, she's basically the president of the company, just going through all of these things. Okay. So that's my particular relation to this uh, solution that Hermosi is presenting. Here's how I went through it. The first step uh, the, the book has, uh, I think, like five different sections. I'm going to focus on section three and four. I think that's it. Um, but section three and four is like the process of how to actually craft your offer, how to actually come up with something that is like, this is what I do. And this is what I do differently. And this is how is this is how you craft an offer that people say stupid, saying people feel dumb saying no to. And so that's what I'm going to focus on. Before we get there, I just want to see, because um, I, I, I didn't read it visually, so I'm not sure where these things fall into play. Does that include the value equation that he laid out? Because if not, maybe we could just quickly insert that so people understand sure. the framework. Does that include it or no? Was that earlier uh, in the book? The section two is about the value equation, but okay. in section five, which is basically the second part in creating your offer, he relates it back to the value equation. Because as you're coming up with the different services that you provide, you have to relate as to how they um, incorporate into that equation. So it's, it's basically, you know what? Do you mind if I just lay it out? Yeah, please do. I have a picture of it. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna, I might get the wording slightly off, but this is basically it. He, he developed this thing that he calls the value equation. Oh, well, actually, let me take one step back. In order to craft an offer, that you can charge exorbitantly high prices for, you have to be able to deliver insane amounts of value to clients, Yeah. right? And then the trick for a business owner is kind of figuring out how do you figure out like the highest leverage points where you're able to deliver a lot of value at a cost that's acceptable to you and ends up putting you ahead of the ball in terms of profitability. And he lays out some really interesting case studies of companies that do this. And what I liked about the book is that he basically compared a business model that I think we're all familiar with, which is like the standard agency model, to um, companies that go through this process, which you're about to outline, yeah. and they end up with a product that it's not just like two times as profitable. It's not like three times as profitable. It's like 30 times as profitable with sure. less work. So the equation that he basically developed that helps people to think through this is, is this. The person's ideal outcome that they're trying to get to multiplied by their perceived likelihood of success. And then you divide that by the perceived time delay in terms of how long it's going to take them to get to that success and the perceived amount of effort uh, and work that they're going to put into getting that outcome. And there's just like two quick things that I'll say about this, and then we can launch into the sections that you had lined up. First, um, very simply, when you think about it that way, ideal outcome on the top multiplied by the perceived likelihood of success, and then on the bottom, it's perceived delay and effort. Your goal is to drive the top side of that equation as high as possible exactly. and the bottom side as low as possible. So that's exactly. a very simple way of kind of thinking about this. Um, and then the other thing that I'll just highlight quickly is you'll notice I said a, a couple of times, perceived, perceived, perceived. It's the perceived likelihood of success, the perceived delay. It's because, and he highlights this several times in the book, very often somebody's perception of how pleasant or beneficial an experience is matters more than how like actually beneficial it was. And if you can work on those perceptions, um, sometimes you're able to solve problems using psychological 
solutions without actually changing the offering at all. And the really simple version of this that a lot of people talk about in business was the, the problem of elevator wait times. So elevators can only move so fast. And there was an issue during early adoption where people like didn't like waiting for elevators. And the solution was not to make the elevator faster. The solution ended up being to put mirror banks of mirrors in hotel lobbies so that people have something else to look at. They forget about how long it takes the elevator to get down. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. The time delay didn't actually change, but the perception of the delay changed. And that was enough to fix the problem. And so he's really big on that. We're, we're talking about psychological benefits here, not just tangible benefits. You have to think about them both. So that's the equation. And we're going to talk through it a couple of times, I'm sure, through this. But why don't, with that in mind, I would say that was the crux of the book, right? The crux of the book revolves around this idea of you want to paint the picture of somebody's ideal outcome and make them really, really certain that they're going to get there. And then you want to try and make it them certain that they're going to get there as fast as possible and as easily as possible. And if you can yeah. do that, you have a world-class offer. So exactly that, right yeah i'm so happy that you harped on that it just even if it sounds repetitive the ones at the top you want to go up the ones on the yep. bottom you want to go down and so anytime that you're putting it together you can always use this as a filter to say like is what i'm offering increasing their perceived likelihood of success uh increasing their their dream outcome and is it also decreasing the amount of time and decreasing the effort they have to put into it and and we'll get into this i'm sure with the with the, with the stodzy example but like i think people uh here's a great example of where that might not be obvious but but it is important so if you're thinking through the offer you're going to give somebody sometimes it could be uh tempting or, or even natural to say oh well we're going to add a one-on-one -on -one consultation for free to teach you how to use x y and z and one of the things he points out is he goes well that's cool and it could be useful in some ways but sometimes a checklist is better than a one-on-one -on -one consultation because you can yep. get the same information across without increasing that bottom line feeling of delay mm -hmm. whereas so 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 it is important to harp on that because even if you realize that the goal is to increase the value sometimes the default value drivers that we think of are not really solving these problems in the right way yeah so cool. with that in mind yeah what talk us through your approach here all right stasi if somebody asked me what stasi is i would say we're an internet marketing company that specializes in the behavioral health field and i realized right away that that has absolutely nothing to do with what my clients want my clients don't want internet marketing in the behavioral health field. What do my clients want? They want leads. They want qualified leads. And so um, I'm still working on this a little bit just because the copy, I mean, you know how copy is. It takes fucking forever, you know, to actually like get it. But so here are some of my dream outcomes. Admit more patients at a profitable CPI. We will generate more leads at with the increased VOB, a VOB is, is basically a verification of benefits. It means like, do you qualify? Because every treatment center has different criteria. So VOB just means like, are you a, a fit? Um, expert digital marketing to drive more calls for less. I hated that one, but I wrote it down anyway. Increase admissions through quote, done for you digital marketing. I hate that one too. Um, basically what it is, admit more patients at a profitable CPA. That's like what we're doing. I just need to spice that up a little bit. All right, I have my dream outcome. So now the next step to come up with your offers is to list all of the potential problems that your ideal client might stumble upon in achieving this ideal outcome. So, I mean, it's basically a page long. I won't read them all, but I'll give you a few. Can I add one, one additional note to that too? stump might stumble on or even think of when they're thinking through your offer right yeah. so okay keep going well that's important because like the reason why it's important to list out some of these problems is because you can talk about these problems and then also think what your prospect might think of when they hear about the solution right so some of it might be um we'll generate like a done for you template in excel and then they might say well 
I don't know how to use Excel. This is just, this is just off the top of my head, you know? And so like, maybe that, maybe you preemptively solve that problem by putting it in a PDF because everybody can open up a PDF, you know? So that is important. Um, all right, so here are my, my problems. Healthcare centers don't understand digital marketing because they're clinicians. And so they avoid it because they're intimidated by it. it. Happens all the time. It's hard to find the right insurance policies. Companies don't feel confident in spending money. Totally true. They say like, well, why would I spend money on this? I just, I don't want to waste money. Have bad experiences with SEO companies before. I mean, every industry has seen that. Too much competition. That's not really true, but it's perceived. Um, don't know which call sources convert. This is really, really important because a lot of them just say like, well, we got this many calls that we didn't, we got this conversion percentage, but they don't know how to read data because they're clinicians. Um, don't know how to track the data. Don't know how to manage all of their assets. This happens all of the time, you know, right? Websites, Google search console, analytics, call tracking, PDFs, eBooks, like marketing collateral for your events, all types of shit. They don't know how to manage all of this. Um, CPA is too high. Don't have ownership over their own marketing. That's really common. Um, a lot of times in all healthcare, people make relationships with other companies and then they depend on those companies to send them referrals. But it kind of can create this like leverage game because then like you have nothing to reciprocate, you know? Um, okay, so those are some of the problems. Any questions? No. All right. And so then the next step, this step isn't even necessary other than to change your frame of reference. So now all of you do is you, you basically list all of those problems out again, except in the form of a solution. So in the book, he says, just put how to in front of the sentence. If you're an advanced copywriter, you can probably change it a little bit. Um, and so I, I changed a lot of mine, but if you're not an advanced copywriter, then all you literally do is you take the problems that you wrote out and then you write them again with how to at the beginning, the beginning of it. It's a mental exercise more than anything, just to change your frame of reference. We're like, okay, now I am, I am solving these problems. So <clears throat> how to generate business without needing referrals or third parties. I just talked about that. How to feel confident in investing in your digital marketing. No more same old, same old SEO services. And then in parentheses, create a system that generates to generate your own organic leads. How to track data to maximize your efficient to maximize your efficiency. Uh, how to build lead nurturing systems that admits every viable patient. This is a really important one because, because when people need any healthcare service, a lot of times it's fleeting because like human nature, people generally search for healthcare when it's urgent, and then they might be feeling better the next day, and it's not so urgent anymore, you know? Uh, so I'll just give one more. Admit more patients at a profitable CPA, basically. All right. So now I've listed all the problems. I've listed my solutions, even though all I've done is reframe them as solutions. So now step four is creating your delivery vehicles. Basically, this means like, how are you actually solving their problem? Um, and so what you do is you list the solution one more time, but now you write down three, four, five different specific things that you will do specifically, like the actions you will take to solve this problem. And you reference them against the value. What was it called? The value equation. Exactly. Okay. So now like I'm actually listing the specific shit I'm going to do and I'm referencing them against those four sections of the value equation. So for instance, companies don't understand digital marketing. Well, I'll give a free newsletter to my clients. I will simplify the reporting and communication so they don't have to do it. I'll do a free video course to train them on how to score their calls because we, a lot of times we need our clients to score the quality of the calls because we're not the ones actually taking the phone calls, right? They are. All right. Generate business without needing referrals or third parties. Targeted keyword allocation and inbound marketing. Expert lead nurturing to make the most out of every phone call. PPC services to get the phone ringing right away. 
Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll do one more. I got 14 of them, by the way, but I'll just do one more. Um, how to get around your competition. That's one of the solutions because they're all very fearful of their competition. <clears throat> so one, a done for you full competitive analysis, a video series on how to find weak spots in your competitors, a LinkedIn audit to find the competitor relationships. Um, another weird side aspect of digital marketing is the business development teams and how they use their own like digital personas to make relationships with other um, entities in any of the healthcare field, you know, whether that's like an employee assistance program or a lot of times there's relationships with like certain industries that might have like a really specific insurance policy they can only refer to you, you know, so we'll do an audit of the business development teams to see the relationships that they're catering to and how we can try to exploit them. All right, any questions? So uh, no questions so far. I think one thing that you said was you, okay, you've started by trying to identify what it is people are trying to get. Then you identify all the problems that they either might run into or think that they might run into, um, which could keep them from buying your solution. Then you turn all those problems into solutions to get yourself thinking about how you're going to deliver or how you're going to overcome those in your offer. And then the, the last step is to basically brainstorm each of those solutions for uh, types of offers that you could make in order to get around them. And then you mentioned comparing them against the value analysis or the value equation. Do you want to do a quick example of that? Are you talking about the zero to one scale <clears throat> thing that we talked about? Yeah, exactly. So, so no more being dependent on referral relationships. Create an outbound referral CRM so reps can keep count. This is going to increase the perceived likelihood of success. Targeted lead generation, again, increase the perceived likelihood of success because everything that we're doing is very, very targeted. Um, for, um, for, I don't know if you did this on your paper, but for for just like one, like the outbound one that you just mentioned, would you mind talking through all four points real quick? just to get people a feel for this. Because one thing I thought was really interesting is uh, in the book, he he compares um, meditation and what was it like Xanax or something like that? Yeah. And I thought that was such a good breakdown of how this works. So I'll do the meditation versus Xanax one real quick while you're um, looking through the notes. But so there's four pieces to the equation. Um, does it address the ideal outcome people are trying to get to? That's like a zero or one, yes or no. Um, perceived likelihood of success, perceived delay, perceived effort, right? So meditation, does it get to the outcome, which is like peace of mind? Uh, Yes, it does. So there's a one there. Perceived likelihood of success. I think he scores it at like a zero, right? Because a lot of people assume that they're going to have problems following through with meditation. They don't stick to stuff. Perceived delay. I think, again, he gives it like like a 0.5 or something like that. Very low because the delay feels long. You have to invest time every single day in meditating in order to fix this problem. And then the perceived effort, again, zero out of one, because there's a lot of effort that goes into it. Now you compare that to solution like Xanax, where it's like, does it get to the outcome? Yes. Likelihood of success? Practically guaranteed. Like (laughs) everybody who takes a pill. Uh, Delay? 15 minutes for it to kick in. And then effort? Swallow a pill. So that one just bang, 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 bang. It hits all four of those. And so as people are kind of thinking through these for themselves, I thought that was such a helpful table to just go through and be like, of these things, which of these give you the most certainty around the ideal um, outcome for all all four of those categories? It's really great. Um, It's also important, little side note in the book, he does say that like very rarely do they all line up perfectly. Um, And so like, it's up to you to create ways to increase the likelihood of success and decrease the likelihood of the negative outcomes. Um, And so here's a good example. Um, Generate your own traffic and leads to create the lowest CPA possible. CPA is a cost for acquisition. Um, Inbound Google search traffic, basically guaranteed that the traffic we generate is going to be targeted. So that is the CPA because you're going to spend less time 
taking phone calls that aren't viable, less reps <clears throat> that need to answer the phone calls that don't matter. So very targeted. Um, chat management. So one of the things that we do, which separates us now, especially with my offer, we've always done it, but now I'm learning how to position myself differently, is um, chat widgets. Healthcare is very, very personal. And a lot of times people feel more comfortable kind of hiding behind their screen and making inquiries about what they need to do through chat. That's instantaneous, instantaneous lead right then and there that can be scored and qualified instantly. So that decreases the time delay. Uh, lead nurturing through automation. Uh, again, this is like, well, I guess this is the perceived likelihood of success one because the lead nurturing system that I've put together over years and years and years in all of healthcare, even like a 2% increase in conversion can really, really make the difference between being profitable and unprofitable because of insurance policies. It's not like you're paying with cash, you know, like there's just different ways that you can bill for services. And so, and so like really getting the most out of your inquiries matters. And again, so this one would <clears throat> increase the likelihood of success. The one that I am going to struggle with, which I think is a good example of how it very rarely lines up, is the time delay. Because what we do isn't popping a Xanax pill. You know, like what we do legitimately takes time. However, I did incorporate that into a lot of the, uh, the reporting that I put together. Because one of the biggest... Um, I, I wouldn't say rebuttals, I'd say fears, again, that our clients deal with is they, they feel like they have to work just as hard to work with us than if we just did it because of all the information that needs to go back and forth. And so I created a whole like onboarding system that makes it so that instantly, give me three days of your time and you never have to deal with me again. <clears throat> and so that's how I personally went with the time delay. Um, because it, it can be hard, you know, like there's nothing worse than trying to fetch like logins to a Google, my business profile of a client who is just being wishy-washy and like, Hey, why isn't this working? I'm like, because you won't fucking give me one password. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it doesn't always line up perfectly, but that's like the best example I can give on how to incorporate these offers to increase the likelihood of success and decrease the negative outcomes. So that's actually a great example. And it ties in with something else that he talks about in the book, which is um, the difference between why people buy your product, what they buy and what keeps them around. So at one point he talks about, uh, for people who don't know, Alex Hormozzi's background was in the, the gym space. So he would sell weight loss solutions, gym uh, memberships, turn and he, he built in a, a huge business doing uh, gym turnarounds for gym members. And it all kind of centered on this idea of figuring out what the offer really should be in order to hook people. And, you know, in the fitness space, people buy the transformation. They want the beach body. They want the weight loss. They want to look better, feel better. But what keeps them around are the little wins along the way. And so there might be some overlap there with things like agency work, where it's like, yeah, you're buying a better SEO profile. That takes time. But what can we show people? right up front in order to make them feel like they've gotten a win. So as an example, I'm uh, helping Sam out with his new company right now. And that's the company is a peer network for founders, for entrepreneurs. And so if you think about like why people sign up for that, um, they're basically signing up for like a long-term coaching program that's going to help them solve problems for months and years from now, ideally, right? What this is helping me think through is what do we need to do early on to convince people that the money was well spent? Yeah. Like immediately after coming in the door, because it's a it's a really expensive program and it's also difficult, right? Like it 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 involves setting aside time to go meet with a group of founders once a month. Uh it involves a certain level of vulnerability about your business and like what you're trying to do. And as everybody listening to this knows, like to do that as a business owner is just, it's a big ask. And so while like in pretty much any business, your 
pretty certain that if people put the effort in, they're going to get the um, the outcome they're looking for. You also need to engineer some of these early wins, which I think is what um, Hormozy did a good job of kind of painting as well. So for me, like what I'm thinking of is uh, personal connections. Like whenever a member comes in, we want them connected with at least one other person who is focused on almost exactly the same thing they are, a high value connection in their first day or like yeah. first 48 hours maybe. Um, that's the kind of thing that can start to make people feel like they've gotten an early win and that they're going to stick around long enough and put in enough effort to to get the ultimate outcome. For sure. <clears throat> um, we call it handholding. A lot of times clients hire us for an outcome and they keep us because we hold their hand. That's quite literally what we call it. Like we have a whole service dedicated to handholding. Um, and also important, and he touches on that in the book. Like I'm really telling you, it was a great book. What, what yeah. I'm going through here was is basically just the exercise, but there was stuff leading up to it and stuff after the exercise. Um, but, but okay, so we'll finish through. So at this point, um, all I have left to do is actually craft my offer. And here is my offer. Well, that's actually not true. Um, there's one more step, which he calls trimming, which is basically taking, taking the solutions that you've created, categorizing them, and getting rid of the ones that cost me a lot of money to do and generate not a lot of revenue for it. So the cost reward just isn't there. So it's or a little value. complicated than that, but you just you get rid of the ones that aren't worth doing, basically. Yeah, you're you're still basically weighing it on this value equation. So it's it's asking you like, what is the what what are the high cost, low value items? Um, and then what was the other one? Uh, low cost, low value as well should also exactly. go out. On the table. Yeah. It's like anything, yeah. And then that leaves you with super high value solutions that might cost you a lot in terms of time effort money etc but they also deliver a, a tremendous amount of value to your clients and then what you just referenced the trimming and stacking so you, you you cut it down to just what you think is a good idea to include and then you stack all those up one thing yeah. that i liked about what he said too is it's okay to do this super manually early on i think there's a, a temptation inside of most businesses to like have everything streamlined in yeah. time to launch. And one thing that he said was, I don't do that. He's like, I'll, I would rather, you know, uh, what, what did he say? He's like, I'd rather get the cash flow by doing it super manual early on and then just figure out how to scale it down the line. Cause you're going to learn more by doing a few reps than you are by like sitting down and continuing to pontificate on an offer. So, mm -hmm. so that was interesting. And then the last thing that I thought was really interesting about the stacking process was how he handles bonus things. Um, which I'll let you talk about in more detail because I'm sure you've gotten through a bunch of that. But yeah. broadly speaking, he says like, basically once you trim anything that you don't want to include in your offer, then you split it out into like, what is the main offer? And then which of these are bonus things that you're also going to tack on in order to just continue building more value in the mind of the client. So how did that look for you guys? Yeah, and don't let me forget about the bonus because that was a really big mental shift for me. Um, Okay, so this is how it looked. Please bear with me. This might take probably four or five minutes. I'm going to read through them. But basically, my Grand Slam offer, that's what he calls it, because a Grand Slam, you get four times the amount of value. You get four runs for the same amount of work. It's still one swing of the bat, but you get like an exponential amount of value from it. So here's my Grand Slam offer. Done for you lead generation for busy behavioral health professionals. Still working on that, but that's the offer. On-site SEO services, a $4,000 a month value. Build the best-in-class local resource center that generates targeted traffic and potential patients looking for help. Monthly content generation to ratchet up your monthly traffic. Citation building to spread your brand and awareness across the industry. Number two, data and conversion analytics, a $3,000 a month value. Real-time reporting on traffic, rankings, and phone calls. Uh, and this is true, every client gets their own personalized dashboard. I'm calling it a success dashboard, a personalized success dashboard, direct reporting to connect your digital marketing spend to the inbound qualified leads. And then in parentheses, this way you, you know what your money is being spent on. And this is important because a lot of times they're just like, I just don't know what I'm spending money on. 
And this way, like the reports directly connect their marketing budget to the results that we generate for them. Number three, <clears throat> competitive analysis and opportunity assessment, a $4,000 value. A full competitive analysis and assessment of your local markets, monthly assessments looking for weak spots and vulnerabilities in your competitors, LinkedIn business development audit. Number four, a done-for-you lead management system, a $2,500 value. Cost scoring training and analysis. We work with their call center to basically train them how to score their calls. Dynamic session tracking. This pinpoints exactly which pages are generating the phone calls. Um, that's exactly what it sounds like. A standardized template to report on which pages generate, generate the most quality leads. This is really, really important because you guys heard me talk about the Pareto principle a million times in this podcast, but more often than not, that happens in digital marketing, where like the vast majority of the success comes from a few of like a small amount of the work that you do. And so being able to actually pinpoint where that success is coming from really helps because then we can double down on it. All right, number five, directory listing mastery program, $2,000 a month value. Google My Business Marketing, Lead Generation and Insight Reporting, Listed Management on Other Lead Gen Reporting. Underneath, I have a whole list of like other directory and local directory listings, and we'll track all of the phone calls from that. Um, in total, $15,000, $15,500 a month. Now for bonuses, here's two things I wanna say about bonuses. I wrote, I did a video about this actually where one of the mistakes I've made as a salesperson is being able to negotiate on price. My idea was give a high price and so that I have willingness to come down. And the way he says it, it's so fucking obvious. You know what I mean? Like I was smacking myself in the forehead where I was like, don't come down on price, have like other services that you can offer in addition to what the core offer is. So that instead of coming down on price, you say, you know what, what if I throw in this? You know what, what if I throw in this? And then what's even better is if you close the deal without having to give any bonuses, then on the onboarding document, you list the bonuses as part of the service anyway, because then that like solidifies the fact that they just got a really, really good deal. Okay, so here are my bonuses. Insurance policy targeting, $2,000 a month value an advanced content strategy that targets local prospects through insurance type. This is true because a lot of people look for behavioral health and healthcare in general via their insurance policy. <clears throat> Medicare and Medicaid avoidance. Um, we put, sometimes we state facilities and nationally generated facilities work with state and federal Medicare and Medicaid. And there's, uh, all types of healthcare facilities that take this insurance. A lot of times they don't. And so we put really specific information and basically like funnels throughout their website that says like, do you have this kind of insurance? Go here instead so that we can get them the help that they need without wasting everybody's time. Uh, insurance verification processing. Bonus number two, digital asset management, $1,300 value. 24 seven monitoring of all the web assets, including site speed, plug-in updating, marketing materials, and more, ebook storage and management, email list management, bonus number three, lead nurturing and segregation, a $4,000 value, implement, install, and monitor on-site messaging, that's the, the message app that we talked about, implement, train, and execute on email automation, ebook and quote soft lead management we call when people download ebooks a soft lead because it's clear that they're like shopping around but they're just not really ready to go for it yet they're you know looking for information um and then text message implementation so all in all and that's a four thousand dollar bonus so all in all the total value of my new offer is twenty two thousand eight hundred dollars a month and i'm going to give it to them anywhere between eight thousand and twelve thousand dollars a month you list all of this shit and they're like, how could I possibly say no to this? When coming full circle back around, all of my competitors are SEO companies, right? <laughs> and that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I'm building you a full service lead generation system that solves your problem and gives you your ideal outcome 
in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of effort with the most probability of success. So how could you not take me up on this offer? Can I ask a question? As an industry outsider, what is the normal monthly fee for SEO in your space? Okay. All right. So that's a great example. So you said like between eight and 12. So people listening to that is like basically selling a similar service now, except instead what you've done is differentiate yourself in the client's mind. And now you're charging anywhere from 50% more to like 150% more for the exact same offer. And I think that was for me, one of the big takeaways from the book is like, so much of this game is just about owning mind space and really uh, helping people understand why you're different from anybody else who's going to offer them a similar product. And I think uh, Alex does a really good job of this in the book, talking about how positioning really is the differentiator on price. You can take the exact same product and sell it for a hundred times as much if you position it slightly differently. So I think the example he used was um, time management, right? So time management, one more time management course. What are you going to sell that for? You, I mean, you might not be able to sell it for anything. You might have to write it up and release it for free as a blog post, or maybe you could sell it for $5 on Udemy. But if you get one step more specific, I think the example he used was like time management for sales professionals. Yeah. Okay, now that's a little bit more specific and somebody in the sales field might be like, oh, this is interesting. Um, a little bit easier to tie to a, a direct outcome because you know how much money they can make if they uh, implement what you're teaching. And so the price goes up from there. But then if you go even one step more specific, like sales professionals in this industry, I'm going to show you how to manage your time better. Um, the price goes up and the, the content doesn't really have to go up that much at all and and that really is the packaging of an offer at least that's yeah. what i got from his book and what he says is the packaging of these offers can change several times before the product ever does so that exact same offer of selling a time management course to sales professionals in xyz industry could very quickly be changed to target sales professionals in a different industry or potentially some other role like management in that same original industry. You can change the wrapper a few times before ever having to change the content or the service or anything like that. And so it just allows you a lot more flexibility. All in all, I thought it was a great book. This is awesome to see that you've worked through it too, man. Thanks for like unpacking all the stuff that you did. My pleasure. Um, And I think it's important one final note is that the other thing that this exercise allowed me to do is get rid of services that I would have otherwise provided that don't increase the value for the client. Because when you read this book, well, actually, not when you read the book, maybe when you listen to us, it seems like all we're doing is putting lipstick on a pig, you know, like you're, you're dressing a thing up to make it seem better than it is. When in reality, the exercise was an exercise in value. Like it, it forces you to double down on the things that actually really, really, really matter. Because by doubling down on that, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, like we are creating insane value for our clients now. And we got rid of everything else. All the other stuff that, you know, a theme in this podcast has been stuff that you just do because like you kind of want to do a favor and you want to be nice and, you know, you want to help them out. It's all gone. It's got nothing to do with that now. We're no longer like an SEO and friendly digital marketing company. We're like a high level lead gen company that delivers valuable leads to our clients. And that service isn't dressed up to be more. It is quite literally worth two or three times more than just SEO and content marketing. So it was a really helpful exercise. Um, and I can't wait, man. Like I'm gonna fucking wipe the floor with this. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm feeling like a rocket ship right now. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna light it up. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. I mean, I uh, we'll have to keep, we'll have to do like a check-in session to see how this is going.
Yeah. Um, and I hope for people listening to this, uh, it made sense. Definitely check out the book and think through for yourself how those steps in that equation apply to the people that you sell to, because it's, it certainly does apply to them. And if you take the time to go through this, I think you're going to get a lot of clarity where yeah. right now you might just be doing a lot of work. At least that's what I found mm-hmm. for myself. This, totally. this comes back to that thing that you said last year, which was like, don't be helpful, be valuable. Yeah. And I have struggled with that um, a little bit just because I'm like, okay, well, what really is, or yeah, I think in general, the hardest thing to answer there is like, what is the most valuable thing that I do? Yeah. Um, and I found that this equation and these exercises really helped think through that in a new way. Uh, that I think is universal. I think I think everybody could use this. So hope people check it out. Hope they in, enjoyed this. This was good, man. I had a case study that I wanted to talk about, but I think I'm going to save it for next week because I think it's actually a little bit different than the direction that we went on this. Really? But yeah. Yeah. I'll save it for next week. I'm excited to hear about it because I, and by the way, anybody watching on YouTube of me traveling through my house, my dog was barking. And so I had to go let my dog <laughs> <laughs> Um. Um. Well, actually, you know what? Why don't we? Well, let's put a bow on this bonus offer. We'll talk through the. Uh, we'll talk through the. Um, through the case study real quick, and this will be helpful because you you already thought through the value equation for Stodzi. Last week on this show, you pitched a new product that you were thinking about offering, which was a uh, related to copy blogger, and it was a done for you affiliate product, yeah. done for you product service. And we were we talked through it a little bit, and we threw some questions back and forth at each other about like what's the actual audience, where's the value, could this work, that kind of thing. As I was listening to the book, I found myself thinking through that product even more and thinking like, oh, this is such a helpful framework to go through that. So like, ideal outcome, like what is the ideal outcome for the target audience we talked about? Then the perceived likelihood of success. That okay, you could see how this product that you mentioned. Well, let's start with ideal outcome. Ideal outcome is I want to sell a product to my audience, right? And I want to make money on that. I'm already hawking other people's stuff from ads. I want to sell a product. I think that would be the ideal outcome, right? Yeah, but it's it's not for me. Like the ideal outcome is for, like my customers are yeah. people that want to sell a product and don't know how to make a product. So it's like a done for you product creation service. Exactly. So, okay, so that's the ideal outcome. And you could probably even go deeper there. There's probably some kind of like psychological aspect. Like I want to own my revenue. I want to make X number of dollars. Like you could probably go deeper, but let's just say it's, I want to sell a product rather than just advertising. Yeah. Um, Okay. So perceived likelihood of success through this program would be a one because the product is done for you, right? Yeah. So right out of the gate, and we could get more detail if we wanted to, but but at the highest level, it's done. You're thinking through it and that box is checked. Perceived delay goes down, right? Because yeah. the product is already done for you. And then you could build some unique offers about like how it's implemented to make sure that day one, they could potentially put this product out to their audience. And it's like, look, you're going to make your first product dollar in the first 48 hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways you could go with that. And then perceived effort, again, very low. So to me, that was checking a lot of boxes as I was thinking through the framework that Alex Hormozzi put out. And what I was thinking, and then halfway through this week, I stumbled on a company called Giddy Up. Are you familiar with them? I've heard of it. I don't know who they are, but I've definitely heard the name. This is a company that takes this idea that you had and then pushes it one step further. So GiddyUp is a done-for-you affiliate service, but rather than just selling their own product, what they really are is a marketplace. Yeah. What they really are is a marketplace that they connect people who have products to sell with people who have audiences and they want to push products out to, right? Which is part of what we were talking about. Like last week, we said there's some kind of fine line inside of this idea, which is like at at a certain point, you just cross over and it's just an affiliate program. Yeah. This company 
uh, is very interesting because what they've done, is, again, instead of developing the products themselves, they work with both people who have products and people who have audiences and they pair them up. And what I was thinking about with yours is your audience is because they're creators, uh, they are already positioned well to move through that funnel, right? Like some of them have an audience and they want to push products out, but they also eventually want to build their own products, right? So you could potentially like the program that you're talking about could be moving people through that funnel from marketing partner to, uh, or sorry, from, uh, uh, what do they say they have? They have, they have uh, can you scroll down just a little bit? There's like marketing partners and product owners or whatever. Anyways, you're moving people from the starting point of like, I have an audience and I want to sell something to them through to eventually I have a product and I want to reach more people. Guess how much money this company does? <laughs> I love their copy. First of all, every, every line I've read on here is great. Tell me how much money they make. Make just make one guess. One make one guess. One guess. Um, okay, give me 30 seconds to scan real quick. Let's see who they've worked with before. They've worked with, I don't know, any of these brands. I'm gonna say 10 million a year. 250 million bootstrapped. A year? Yep. No yep. fucking way. $250 million a year bootstrap. Now, I don't know if that's revenue or GMV, but it's they're they're killing it. So it's a huge company. Um, oh, one billion in sales for our affiliate brand partners. So that might be GMV, like uh for people who don't know that term, gross marketplace volume, which is like how much money moves through the marketplace rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily revenue, but this has a billion, this has a billion dollars of sales so far. Yeah, they crush. So uh yeah 200 million wait let's see wow. yeah so uh this is a huge like there's a huge potential in what you talked about i mean it's not that wouldn't that doesn't necessarily have to just be like one funnel like one one thing that you're doing on top of a lot of others that could be the thing in a big way um and it could be a really interesting direction to take the copy blogger audience because so many of them want to build their own products in the future too so I can already see the wheels turning. <laughs> I'd have to do a follow-up episode on well, that. It's not the wheels as much as I'm, one, I'm impressed um, because I'm always just impressed with how people come up with innovative ways to build businesses, right? It's like, it's another one of those things that seems so obvious after you know it. It's, it's basically an advertising network that doesn't sell ads, but middleman's products. You know, they just connect, they connect audiences and and products. It's It's almost like a, it's almost like a done-for-you service of AppSumo or like a done-for-you, well. Um, it's like Commission Junction or like any of these other affiliate networks, you know? It's just yeah. better. It's just like their design is better, first of all. And I'm not it's sure. Done. It sounds like they've got some custom SaaS on the back end that Agreed. helps as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, somebody mentioned this product and they mentioned that the, uh, they mentioned, I think it's the CEO. Um was at a conference and he looked like a homeless guy. Like somebody was like, somebody should get the homeless guy out of the conference. And they're like, oh, he's not homeless. Like his company does $250 million in revenue. You know, um, I'm not into that, by the way. Like I am not a suit and tie kind of guy, but I'm also not into the like, you know, San Francisco hobo flip-flop wearing type look. Like put your shit Ain't together. No long hair hippie yeah <laughs> uh, i don't know man i can see how it could go both ways like i feel like with that much money you start to lose touch with anything except for the world that you've built inside your company and like because yeah, you never leave like, it yeah something like that like i i i mean i'm saying this literally living in a van <laughs> <laughs> where my desk is three feet from the bed so <laughs> so i get i get where it comes from um and it also seems like there's a funny thing that happens too when you make a ton of money where I feel like everybody who goes through that goes through this existential crisis of, well, now what's my purpose, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like you have to do the the bum thing to to get back to a feeling of like just being part of the world because yeah. money solves 
like money solves a lot of problems. It doesn't solve all your problems, but it solves enough that you start to feel like you lose a connection with the world because you yeah. just don't deal like you just don't deal with shit anymore. There's yeah, there, you deal with other shit like getting sued or having stalkers and all this other crazy stuff. But for the most part, money smooths out a lot of those bumps in the road. And I think it could be really easy to feel disassociated from like normal life after that. You know, you just like, I just don't deal with the same stuff. Like I, I'm not even close to uh, that level of wealth, but already because the things that I focus on are so different from the world, like my family and friends and stuff like that. Sometimes it does feel hard to relate. I can't even imagine what it's like to, to cash a check for $200 million and be like, okay, well, like, tell me what's going on in your day. It, it just, you, you're just on a different level. I think it's real easy to feel disconnected. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite movie lines ever is from the movie Crash. It's like one of the first lines of the movie. And I'm not going to get it perfectly, but it's something like uh, we're so trapped behind this glass and steel that we just crashed into each other to see what it feels like. And I, uh, such a good line. I love that line. And yeah, I, I certainly think that's what happens when you know, you don't have to stand in line at Chipotle to get your food anymore. You don't have to stand in line at the DMV. Like all of a sudden you wake up, you're just like, excuse <clears throat> you got to crash into somebody. But yeah, man, great episode. That's my cue. My son is screaming in the background, as I'm sure you can hear. It seems like that's like how we wrap up all the episodes now. Yeah, um, he's, he's like, he's going to be the new producer now. <laughs> all right, you're done. <laughs> all right, man. Great episode. I loved this. Um, great chat. And hit me up on Twitter at Tim Stodds. Hit you up on Twitter at damn underscore Ethan. Uh, Copybloggerpod.com. We released the newsletter. It's coming out every week, every Thursday, I think it is. I don't know for sure. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about this. Stay tuned. I'm sorry about my kid, but please DM.me is live and it's working. So we're going to talk about that next week. Check it out. PLZDM.me. It's badass, and I can't wait to launch it. All right, bro. Enjoy the van. Yeah, thanks. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, see you. Yeah, everyone.